Hey there. This December, we're featuring encore episodes of Spark Joy, 2020 fan favorites for you to revisit over the holiday season and prepare for the new year. Happy holidays to you and yours. Be safe, be well, and Spark Joy. You have to connect with yourself intimately before you can build and foster an intimate relationship with someone else. Tapping into our own vulnerability, our transparency, you know, what are the emotional wounds that trigger us when they come up in relationships? It's important to identify those things before we enter in a relationship. That's what conscious dating is about. It's about being conscious and aware of who we are and what we're bringing and showing up into relationship. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Self love in the times of quarantine. Today's guest is Angela N. Holton. She's an international dating and relationship expert, speaker, author, and founder of Love Sanctuary, an online spiritual and personal development site centered on helping women and men create more love in their lives from the inside out. She's a creator of the Conscious Dating Method, a modern approach toward dating and relationships, and the author of the Conscious Dating Method workbook journal. Today, she's joined us to talk a little bit about dating, sparking joy in our relationships, even during these challenging times where the way we connect is continually evolving. Welcome to Spark Joy, Angela. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. Angela, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. So you are an international dating and relationship expert with an online portal that serves as a sanctuary for transformations. I love that. What drew you to becoming a love coach? What was your journey? Uh, well, you know, they say the, the students make the best teachers. So I've been a student of this journey myself and had to go through my own challenges and struggles to you know, really learn and take in valuable lessons that now I'm able to impart onto others. So my journey into coaching started, I believe, you know, from the genesis of my life. I've been doing this type of work, helping and serving other people my entire life. But Love Sanctuary was birthed during a period of my time of loneliness and struggle after I lost my dog, who served as my companion, my lover, my you know, my best friend, my confidant, he really filled in a lot of voids for me that I didn't have in a partner, marriage, you know, a family, children. And so I took the pain that I was struggling in and turned it into power. I turned it into my purpose. I was on this mission to love and understand myself and what it meant to love myself unconditionally and not have anyone or anything else fill any voids in my heart, in my life, in my profession and anything to just really be with myself. And so Love Sanctuary began as a platform to empower largely women, mostly all women, you know, empowerment in professional career, relationship health, every area of their lives from the inside out. And then it morphed into dating and love relationships a year ago, which really came as a calling for me. You know, it was like, this has been your story. This is your journey. You are embodying to women what it's like to be single, but purposeful, fulfilled, 
and joyful. And so that's how it turned into cultivating love and relationships from the inside out. Wow, that's really powerful. And I want to hear so much more about your conscious dating method. We'll definitely dive into that a bit later. We love methods, of course, here at Spark Joy. (laughs) (laughs) And similar to the process of decluttering using the Kunmari method, your teachings start with self, making self-love a priority. So how do you define self-love and why is it so important to start there before turning our attention to inviting others in through dating? Well, you know, I believe that relationships begin and end with relationship with self, that you have to connect with yourself intimately before you can build and foster an intimate relationship with someone else. Tapping into our own vulnerability, our transparency, you know, what are are the emotional wounds that trigger us when they come up in relationships? It's important to identify those things before we enter in a relationship. That's what conscious dating is about. It's about being conscious and aware of who we are and what we're bringing and showing up into relationship. And so self-love is the cornerstone of relationships. It's where the, the intimacy begins and the relationship develops before that person shows up in your life. You're starting that engagement of intimacy and vulnerability and you know connectivity and passion with yourself first. I'm already getting excited just talking about it. You know, know, self-love is not an esoteric topic, you know, and you hear about it so much these days. It's a hashtag that's very common. And I try to remove the esoteric from my work and make it all about strategy and practicality. So what does self-love look like? How can I show up in that practice every day with myself? It's mindfulness. It's minding our thinking. Are we judging and condemning ourselves? Are we speaking with love and compassion and acceptance toward ourselves? It's forgiveness. It's presence. It's mindfulness. It's living your life with intention and purpose. I think once we have that purpose within ourselves, which is rooted in love and anchored in a divine love, we're not seeking that in anyone else, right? We're showing up to partnerships and relationships full and complete and whole rather than coming from a a place of lack and scarcity. And then we look for people to fill these voids and holes within ourselves. So self-love is everything, (laughs) everything. (laughs) We're all spending a bit more time at home these days for the health and safety of ourselves, our family, and our community. Are you feeling a little too close to your clutter for comfort? Maybe you're buried under stuff in the home office or craft space, or you're trying to carve out dedicated space for work or homeschool in your basement or on your dining room table. Or maybe you've noticed just how much time you're wasting looking for important papers and emails instead of shifting your time, energy, and resources towards the things that truly matter. During quarantine, my number one priority is to get as many people as possible clutter-free and prepared for the other side of this challenging season. If you're regularly asking yourself, where should I put this? Or am I letting go of enough? Or am I even doing this right? As you can Mari, a customized virtual tidying experience may be the perfect next step for you. While stay-at-home ordinances are activated, I'm continuing to offer virtual Kanmari-based active tidying lessons, including a tidy desk special, perfect for those working or learning from home. Visit ForTheLoveOfTidy.com 
and click free consult to discuss the various virtual organizing options available to help you dig out and choose joy once and for all. Well, and I think there's nothing like dating to really bring up those things that you are looking for in other people, maybe in a not helpful way. So I could not agree more that really becoming your own caretaker in a lot of ways is super, super important to really achieve those kind of satisfying relationships. And, you know, we're all kind of building these connections again in really different ways. What are some of the best ways that we can begin to build self-love into not only ourselves, but into our homes and our schedules and our routines. Absolutely. Thanks for that question. I think you start with mindfulness. I believe in the practice of that is created by a meditation practice. And you create a meditation practice by waking up in the morning. You know, it's great to start in the morning and you start with a few minutes of just connecting with your breath and breathing and listening to your mind, just listening and observing the mind. You know, there's so many different apps and YouTube tutorials to get people started on meditation, but the power of meditation is what allows you to recognize the thinker and the judger, right? How am I speaking to myself throughout the day? How am I judging myself? So self-love starts with speaking and thinking, how do I talk to myself? Can I speak with more love and like I would a child or my best friend? we start there. That's one of the most powerful practices that I do consistently. I'm a self-taught meditator seven years now, and it's radically changed my life. It radically changes my clients' lives. You make it a lifestyle, not just, oh, it didn't work for me. It's not about it working for you and you having this sort of levitation experience while you're meditating. It happens outside of your practice. So it shows up in our homes with meditation and then practicing mindfulness throughout your day. Pay attention. Pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to your breath. Pay attention to what you're thinking, what you're saying to yourself, how you respond to different scenarios in your life. Those engagements are very powerful in growing how we view and perceive and love ourselves. And then it's that acceptance. It's when we notice that critic and that judge, that judge or that person who just thinks that we just do things so wrong all the time is offering a different perspective. You know, offering that perspective of, you know, I'm doing my best and it's okay that I feel this way. You know, not labeling the good and the bad emotion and the experience as good and bad, but, you know, maybe I did my best here and I'll do better next time. So it's that compassion. And then you can go into journaling. You know, writing is a very powerful exercise at connecting with our inner selves, our thoughts, our reflections, and building that intimacy with ourselves. So those are three points. I can give you a whole lot more if we have time for it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's so many questions for you. But I guess we should probably start with the, the conscious dating method to ground all these great practical tips that you've already shared. You've really focused on making this, you know, a method that you actually walk through with steps. Tell us more about this vehicle and kind of an overview of this philosophy. Yeah. So I believe that relationships and dating have strategies just as any other area in our lives. But we don't tend to apply strategies to love and relationships and creating the relationships that we want. We just sort of expect it to happen automatically, you know, in our human capacity that we're just have the birthright to be good at relationships, but we're not naturally good at relationships. We're naturally wired for connection. So to practice relationship skills and to improve our relationships, it takes strategy and practice. So the conscious dating method, let's start with being intentional about dating. 
let's go out and create what we say we want. And if it's love, it's a partnership. If it's a deeper connection with the partners we already have, what are the strategies you're going to take to cultivate that? Whether it's going online to date, if you're not dating at all, if it's getting a dating coach, if it's getting a matchmaking service or whatever practices you would do to be intentional about dating. And then the method is really about, again, it goes back to self-love. It's creating the relationship that we desire from the inside out, becoming and less seeking. Who we want and what we're seeking, become that person. Bring that mirror and that lens to ourselves and see, okay, what am I desiring in a partner? And how do I match with that within myself? And how can I grow and improve those areas within myself? And then taking those steps to notice, well, I really don't communicate that well. I struggle with vulnerability. So the method, the actual eight-week course, we delve into a lot of relationship topics. We talk about self-love and self-worth because we have to start there. We have to start with a cup that's full, not a cup that's half empty, because that cup will seek someone that's not good enough for us because we won't feel good enough. We'll look for someone to fill those voids for us that only we can fill. So it starts there, teaching tools of self-love and self-worth. We learn and talk about our belief systems. You know, What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about love and relationships? And how are my choices in life and in relationships reflecting those beliefs? We talk about vulnerability, taking risk in relationships, transparency, attachment styles. We talk about love languages. We talk about communication, which is so important for a healthy relationship and being honest and authentic with ourselves before we can show up to someone else. So we get into the nitty gritty of relationship nuances. And again, always taking those topics back to self. How am I showing up with myself with these topics and then going out in the world and practicing what we've learned with someone else, right? You can't learn a relationship skill without being a relationship. So my biggest lesson for women who aren't dating is how are you learning how to be in relationship if you're not dating? Get out there and just practice. Just go out and do what you want and experiment. I love the fact that the conscious dating method also talks a lot about letting go through forgiveness which is a major theme when it comes to decluttering. We're letting go of the objects in our life. But really, when it comes to dating, there's so much to let go of before you can really dive in. Past relationships, as you said, negative self-talk or just beliefs that are limiting. How does the act of letting go impact the way we date? Yeah, I love that. So as you said, in order to declutter, you know, you have to end our lives and our homes to open up and expand to more, we have to let go. And it's the same with love and relationships. In order to really open up and expand our hearts and our minds to the love that we want to create, we have to let go of what's holding us down, holding us back. And a resentful or angry heart that's anchored in non-forgiveness is like an albatross on our shoulders. You know, it's a heavy burden to carry. And it's so much lighter in life and easier in life when we let those past burdens go. And it also diverts our attention. You know, when we're angry at something in our past, guess what? We're still glancing behind our shoulders. We're still stuck in something that happened a long time ago that's not happening now. And it's only happening now because we're keeping it alive in our thinking. We're replaying that story over and over again and keeping that memory activated and alive. Like, I'm so angry, but it's the mind. So we have to do the work to let go of it in the mind. That's where forgiveness starts in the mind and making that choice to 
change our thinking and let it go. So letting go, decluttering, the anger, healing the wounds. You know, we all have to grieve things in our lives. So we can grieve the loss of a relationship, a friendship, something that we feel angry about. We can even grieve our anger. Some people feel safer being angry and want to stay in that place. Well, if I forgive that person, what's that going to mean? And, you know, really it means something wonderful, but we may be so attached to that aspect of ourselves that we don't want to let go of it. But letting go of an angry heart or bitter heart opens up to more love, right? Because forgiving heart is a compassionate heart. A forgiving heart is something that is open to receive more love. And if a relationship is what we want, we've got to declutter the past, grieve the past, let it go so we can open up to bigger, better, and brighter days. Well, you know, I haven't had to date for 14 years. Mm. I've been with my husband for a really long time. And I dated a lot before then. I actually enjoyed dating. I mean, there were definitely parts of it that were horrible, but there were also parts of it that were really interesting and fun. And I did meet a lot of super, super nice, interesting people. And I'll say that even then, a lot of my dating was online. And I developed like a little set of criteria. For example, two of my big rules were that there could be no extended period of online back and forth. So if they were not in a position to meet relatively soon, then it was a no-go. The other criteria was that if in any conversation before we met, the conversation stood in any way whatsoever to anything vulgar or sexual in nature, it was Mm. just off. So those were my two little rules that I made over the course of the time that I dated, and they really served me well. But that was one thing because I, I knew ultimately within some amount of time, I was going to actually, if I, you know, if everything was a go, meet this person in real life. So now people are faced with this situation where that period of online-ness can go on for quite a while. What are some of the ways that you see dating and even establishing connections with people going forward over the next maybe months or maybe even years? Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it's going to change at least for, you know, short term now. We don't know how long this is going to go on, but I, I love your two, you know, deal breakers and criteria that you had for dating. You know, the reason why I believe it's such a powerful time to be dating online and pandemic and that dating doesn't stop is because if we're looking for healthy, loving, intimate connection, it begins with communication. It begins with emotional and mental seduction, so to speak rather than it does just the physicality. Yes, we need to meet. We need to see each other and see if there's a connection. That connection can begin far before you meet in person. So what I'm encouraging women to do, and men, you know, men and women, largely women, is to you know, exchange the text message first, get connected. And then if you want to go further, get on a phone call right away. You know, as you said, someone who just wants to be online, you know, we have to bring that to where we are now. They just want to text for a long time. You don't want to waste your time texting. You can't really get to know someone with texting, but see if they're interested and you're interested in advancing that to a phone call. And then from the phone call, then say, hey, would you like to have a virtual you know, FaceTime call? And then you go from there. But connection can start at that point and you can actually foster deep connection through conversation you know, back when, you know, in the 40s and 50s and earlier when you had war veterans overseas and, you know, couples were married and they wouldn't see each other for a year. Right. And they would, they would write and they would write letters to one another. And 
I don't know if they had telegrams or whatever was happening then, but they didn't have the resources we have now. So we're not limited from connection. I wish I could say, you know, I know we all wish we knew how long this was going to last because it is going to be tough if you still can only virtually date for three, four, five, six, seven months from now. If you're in the same city and you can create a virtual, you know, an in-person date, there are other things to do than sitting in a restaurant or being in tight, closed quarters. You can meet at the park, go on a picnic, you know, in six feet distance or, you know, or go for a bike ride. Or if you know that your partner or this potential date has completely self-quarantined and, you know, really make sure and use prudence and judgment and make your health your number one priority. But if you really feel that you're both on the same page with protecting your health, then you can have a date, you know, but you want someone who's conscionable and who's conscientious and responsible. And you know, you have to feel really comfortable that they're, you know, following the quarantine and that, you know, you're not putting your health at risk. I'm encouraging people to date in this modern dating and this pandemic to be intentional, to not stop what you want. There's no reason to. There's more people online now than ever because of the situation. So there are going to be people on there who aren't really looking for a relationship. They're just bored and lonely. Okay, that's fine too. But there are people who are, maybe they were lonely before or weren't sure what they wanted. And this has allowed them to really get clear on what they want. So if nothing else, get out there and practice and just connect and meet people. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. Those are great tips. What you were saying led me to think about how we are currently being conditioned to to separate, to do kind of the opposite of dating right now. Also, I feel like we're kind of on our heels rather than our toes, you know, kind of leaning more to like bracing ourselves for what to come, not really knowing what to expect. Whenever I get in, in that kind of place in my life, whether it's business or friendships or whatever it may be, I know that like dating tends to like drop down my priority list, you know, where we're thinking about the basics, keeping ourselves healthy, making sure we have stability finance wise or whatever it may be. How does that fit into how we navigate whether or not moving towards finding a relationship is even a reality when there's so many pressing matters that are floating around that we might need to grab onto? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think when the onset of this happened, you know, I think many of us went into sort of panic mode, you know, hunkering down and getting settled. It was very anxiety stricken for myself included and a lot of people. But, you know, I believe, and I'm not saying this in condition for everyone, because there are people who are dealing with grief and loss and loss of jobs, loss of income, but there are people who feel a little more stable now that have a little bit more time on their hands. And if you find that you have more time, 
put your priorities in order. Dating and relationships is something that you have to create the time and space for it. It doesn't just happen automatically. So if it's something that you really want, I'm going to encourage and ask that you bump it up on your list of priorities. There's a lot of uncertainty right now, but stressing and worrying about the job, the income, not to say that it's not real and important, it's not going to change anything right now. So it's a matter of us really finding a way to make peace with the uncertainty, making peace with struggle, right? Because we're all struggling in some form or fashion, even just the distance itself. But you know, once you make peace with uncertainty, because we can't control it, prioritize our lives. You know, you can spend your day with your family, your work, your self-development, personal development, and then make time for dating, whether that's going on the app for 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, making a phone call, FaceTiming. I'm a believer in creating and striking balance as much as we can. Because if we look at life and parts of our lives as a pie chart, you know, we'll look at how and where we spend our time. And when there's very little time spent in parts of the pie, it can really sort of take the rest of our happiness and joy off kilter. So if love and intimacy and relationship is something that you desire, make that piece of the pie chart bigger. Make time for it. You know, excuses don't get us anywhere. And I'm not trying to be really hard because I know this is unprecedented times and it's uncertain, but most of us have a little bit more time on our hands than we normally do. And when you find that window of opportunity, if it's what you want, make it important. And I didn't do that for a long time in my life. I was that person that thought, okay, finding a partner is going to be like everything else I did. Okay. It's like applying for grad school, applying for college. You just, you know, it's just going to happen, right? You just go out in the world and you kind of create what you want, but it just is a rite of passage. And I thought when it was time and I was ready, he was just going to show up. It doesn't work that way. And I should actually say it happens actually how I did apply for grad school. It's the work, the research, the schools, you know, visiting the colleges. So dating and relationships and cultivating what we want takes work. It takes practice. Okay. So let's say that someone has never dated online before Mm -hmm. and they're taking your advice and they've decided through all of this that they really want to be in a good, healthy relationship but they've never dated online. Maybe this was a person who met people out in the world, or maybe they were in a relationship before and they're not now. How do you suggest, do you have some tips for people, you know, on how to even get started with dating in the new reality? Yes, yes, yes. You know, I don't push online dating because I think it's the number one way to meet someone, but it is the easiest way to start dating right away. It's the easiest way to cultivate relationship practice. Before quarantine, you could get on an app today and have a date tomorrow. You can't guarantee that if you go to the supermarket, Home Depot, the gym, that you're going to meet someone. But when you're on a platform where people are there to connect, you improve your chances greatly. So my first recommendation is to choose which platform you're interested in. If it's online dating, if it's working, find a dating coach, if it's finding a matchmaking service, do some Googling, some research. You know, there's speed dating that's happening virtually now. There, find an interest group. And if you have an interest or hobby, maybe there's some virtual groups that are happening that you could connect with people that way. There are so many different apps for various demographics or interests, whether it's age, whether it's religion, whether it's sexual orientation, preference, whatever, you know, there's something for everyone out there. So there's really no excuse or reason not to try something. 
you just have to try. And I always encourage trying two different apps. Create a simple profile, use a nice picture, try not to use selfies if you can, and try not to use too many filters on your photos. Because since we're speaking largely to women, the feedback I get from men is that women over filter their photos and look nothing like that in person. And so now they'll say they look nothing like that on FaceTime or their virtual video. So upload some nice pictures and a simple profile and something that you know differentiates you from someone else that makes you unique. There are a lot of people on these dating apps. You want something that's going to stand out, whether it's something quirky about you, an experience you've had in your life, a foreign language you speak, someplace in the world you've lived, a little habit that you've not gotten rid of, you know, something fun that's going to get someone to say, huh, she's interesting. And just start there. And then don't feel like because you swipe right, which means you're interested, that you, you're obligated to go out with this person, right? A lot of women feel pressure like, well, oh my God, if I swipe right, I have to connect with this person. You have full discretion. And you have full discretion to decide where and how and how far you want to engage with someone. And at any point you don't feel safe, stop the engagement. You know, start with communicating through the dating app. And then if you feel like, you know, okay, this person seems like I can open up to communicating offline. I also encourage women to protect themselves. Be safe first. I would suggest getting a Google phone number. You go to Google and you Google Google phone number and you can get an internet phone number for free and no one has your personal information. If you also want to be a little safer, you can use your middle name or use initials on your profile. Then, you know, as you're communicating with different people, you can tell them your first name. You have a right to protect yourself. You know, we all do. And I would encourage prudence with that. Then you can say, hey, you know, this feels nice. This feels comfortable. Maybe he'll initiate or she'll initiate. Let's take this to a virtual phone call. And then maybe you'll have a date next. But, you know, don't intimidate yourself. You can swipe left, swipe right, very benignly without any obligation. Those are some great tips and they go a long way. It can be hard <laughs> out there in app land. So we it, appreciate it. It can. Yeah. It can. But just start, you know, that's, that's the first thing that I try to get women to do is just start. You've shared so many wonderful tips. I was wondering though, what's your favorite dating tip that you could share, especially considering these days and time, love in the time of COVID? Yes. I just want to say, firstly, you got to get out there to date. <laughs> that's the first thing. If you're not dating, my first tip is to get out there dating. If you want a relationship and you're serious about it and be intentional, let's get out there and start dating. My favorite tip is probably have fun. I want to encourage women to date with curiosity. That's what the conscious dating method is. While we're, yes, we're in pursuit of what we want, we're not desperate or longing for it in a way where we're clinging to the outcome of it. You know, we're going to meet people, we're going to chat, we're going to enjoy ourselves. Have fun. If the conversation is not fun and engaging for you, you don't have to participate and put yourself through that. I think having fun in any area of our lives, right? This is about sparking joy. If it doesn't spark joy for you in that conversation, let it go. I love that. I do think that that's really the whole point of this. So I agree entirely. Well, now we have to ask at this very moment, what is sparking the most joy for you? You know, I love waking up doing the work that I do. I really do. It brings me so much joy and pleasure to do the work and to share my gifts and talents with my audience. I wake up each morning feeling joyful and purposeful and 
full of creative ideas. So right now, my life really hasn't changed that much through the pandemic. As an entrepreneur, I work from home. So each morning, I'm excited to wake up to do the work that I do and to speak like I'm with you today. There's so much joy in it for me. So I, I spend time in it and it doesn't feel like work for me. So this work right now and doing the Love in the Time of Corona series on my Instagram is bringing me tremendous joy and connecting with friends virtually. And they have an app called House Party and we play games on Friday nights or I'm dating myself. So I'm actually having fun dating. I really am. And I'm connecting with people in different cities because I've expanded a search, which I also encourage women to do. So that's bringing me joy and my health and my family and just knowing I'm grateful that we're all safe and well brings me tremendous joy. I'm very grateful. Well, we're grateful that you joined us here today on Spark Joy and shared these amazing dating tips. And I know that our listeners will want to continue to follow you. So how can they keep in touch with you? Yes, I would love to hear from the people listening. My website is lovesanctuary.com. And from there, you can learn about whatever I have going on. I've got a workshop that I'm teaching once a month now because I can't travel and teach it in person. It's the Conscious Dating Method, Love in the Time of Corona workshop. And we're teaching it each month. I don't have the dates in this for the summer yet, but if you check in on the website, you'll see the dates posted. And also I'm very active on Instagram, which is my first name, Angela N. Holton, H-O-L-T-O-N. And you can find out things about me there. And then I have my book, The Conscious Dating Method Workbook Journal, which is an interactive, self-reflective, self-discovery journal about dating, love, and relationships starting from the inside out. So it delves deeply into asking very intimate personal questions about your heart and your past and your relationships so you can have a greater understanding going forward. And that book you can learn also about on my website and it's available on Amazon. So it's a great time if you're home and you have time. And if you haven't started that inner work, that self-love work, this book is a great time to just wake up every morning and fill out one page and just really get intimately connected with yourself. Thank you so much, Angela. We really loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.